You're listening to Market Scale Software and Electronics. I'm your host, Sean Heath, and today I'm about to have a conversation with Travis Marier. He's the Managing Director for Inventory Source. Travis, how are you, my friend? Do well, Sean. How are you? I'm doing quite well. Thanks for asking. Do me a favor. Give me a little bit of the history of Travis Marier. Uh, well, professional history, that is. You don't have to go back to middle school. You could start in college. Yeah, yeah sure. Um, so uh, basically, you know, I've, I've been... I'm coming to entrepreneur for a while. I started in the, um, you know, in the cloud space with a small startup, and then started my own um, e-commerce marketing agency. Soon after that, um, through my e-commerce marketing agency and through a mutual connection, I met uh, Kelly, our CEO here at Inventory Source, and we were going to partner at one point. And um, you know, it just made more sense for me to to join on board uh, with my sales and kind of service delivery experience. And, uh, and, you know, been, been on board with inventory source for about two years now, um, you know, as a managing director, kind of driving a lot of our sales, marketing, product initiatives, things like that. So as we talk about the industry and you kind of have to have your head on the swivel, looking in all directions, spotting trends and, and with your experience in digital marketing and e-commerce, have you seen any trends in the, say the last, I don't know, year, 18 months that have really made you sit up and take notice? Yeah, I mean, we're a little biased, obviously, but uh, but dropship has become a uh, definitely a trend, and I think a lot of people will attest to that. Um, you know, really, if you do like a Google search or a Google trend search, you'll see that it's really spiked as far as the search traffic. Just the word dropshipping, uh, just in the last eighteen months, to to be exact. Um, so, I mean, the the idea that uh, you don't have to actually purchase inventory wholesale, bring it into your actual uh, brick and mortar store, and then sell it you know, online or through your own warehouse, um, you know, that idea of dropshipping, of purchasing it after you actually receive an order for it, uh, for a product is really taking off um, because of the efficiencies behind that from a supply chain logistical standpoint. And, uh, you know, as we go more online, there's less need to have physical inventory stored in, like I said, in your own physical warehouse or brick and mortar. So that's been a huge uh, trend that we're, we're really trying to take advantage of and, and really have been you know, doing for, for, you know, almost 13 years now, uh, but really seeing this pick up in the last two years. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. As dropship becomes uh, a little more accessible to merchants of all sizes, it seems like small merchants would be able to benefit quite a bit from that, but they also have this newfound tool of social platforms that they can use as channels for e-commerce. Tell me a little bit about the rise of the small merchant and the social media. Yes, definitely. And, and really, I mean, what we're seeing is people taking advantage of the audiences that they're building on social networks and, uh, and monetizing that through, through e-commerce and a lot of times dropship. Um, you know, the, the model for dropship makes a lot of sense, uh, you know, for them, but not only dropship, but they're also, you know, making their own products and storing them and shipping those out. But social is really the idea is that, you know, the best way to, to learn about something you like is through your friends and social networks are all about that. Um, and, you know, not not just through the traditional retail channels are you purchasing now, you're you're purchasing through uh, friend recommendations. And we've seen a lot of people really take advantage of the the hyper targeting you can do on Facebook now to to sell the right kind of product to the right kind of people through groups and interests and, and like minded people. Uh, that's really kind of blown up the consumer kind of shopping experience on these social channels rather than going to a physical store and learning about it there for the first time. So as social media continues to grow and, and people sort of learn this new 
I want to call it a new dynamic because it literally is changing the relationship between vendors and consumers, but it also changes the relationship between, say, vendors and suppliers. Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, well, you know, online. So I guess dropship. If we come back to that, I mean, that's really what's changing the dynamic between a a supplier of a product and a and an online retailer, if you will, or reseller of that product. Um, there's there's much more. Uh, there's trust is much more of a of a factor nowadays with with a dropship model. Uh, if we're talking about that, where you know, instead of just purchasing, you know, uh, let's say a, a pallet of t-shirts that come into your store and you just reorder when you're getting low on those t-shirts and next uh, next time around when you get an order it's because you've ordered in uh, a large amount of them in, in your store um, and just have them kind of on the shelf now you're you're literally you have nothing on the shelf and you're relying a hundred percent on when an order comes in from a consumer to have your supplier uh, provide that directly to your consumer and ship it out one in a timely in a timely manner two uh, to actually have it and it being in stock right um, and then three, uh, a good product of quality, you know, things that you might not have seen before. You're, you're not actually looking, feeling, touching the, the product, something that you trust is authentic and of good quality. So finding a good dropship supplier and, and having a trustworthy relationship there, uh, it's a huge piece becoming larger in this, uh, new supply chain that we're seeing develop. You know, that's an interesting business model. Uh, if I recall correctly, that's a model that Dell started following uh, when when they first founded that company. They would actually have tractor trailers of parts parked outside their loading dock, and they wouldn't actually pay the manufacturer of the motherboard or the sound card for the item until they received an order for a specific computer. That seems to be super simple in the realm of just a logical way to approach business. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would, I would say so. I mean, there's that cross docking approach where, you know, you have it shipped to you, like you're kind of mentioning after the purchase and then you ship it out. Um, there's a pure drop ship approach where they're shipped directly from their warehouse. Uh, it, it makes a lot of sense, right? Instead of doing, instead of shipping twice to the end consumer, shipping to you first and then the end consumer as more and more retailers don't even have a brick and mortar. Uh, that's what's really driving the demand here for for dropship. The the reason why it's taken a while to kind of gain a lot of traction is it's very new. It's a different model. Uh, I shouldn't say it's very new, but it's 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 become more mainstream, and it's a different model than the traditional wholesale model. And because of that trust and the needing to have reliable partners, uh, and then really the infrastructure and the technology, you know, like inventory source is is becoming more and more popular. Without that. There's, there's things that can break down. You lose control, you lose, you add risk when you partner with, uh, you know, uh, someone else versus having stock on hand. So it's really about having the right tools, the right software and the right partners in place. And if you don't have that, you know, that's how a dropship can get, can get a bad name because you're just, you know, you're not working with the right person or you don't have the right tools in place to support it. Um, and then all of a sudden you have missed orders, out of stock orders, you know, delayed uh, orders, uh, in, uh, un uh, things that products are not authentic or not of good quality. Um, all those things can pop up in this new model. So it's, it's new problems to, uh, to have. Um, and, uh, there's, you know, our software is really trying to help people, uh, get past those problems because we do feel it is a more efficient way of doing things. If you can just solve a couple of those, those, uh, core issues. You know, one of, one of the things that I've seen that would concern me 
is that I don't necessarily want to charge a customer to ship something back to me that wasn't the right style or they didn't really like the color once they saw it in person. And without having a physical showroom for them to go in and see the thing before they buy it, um, how do you approach that financial challenge of the costs of returned items? Yeah, I mean, returns are tough in e-commerce regardless, and, and they do become even more tough in the dropship world where you're not you know, physically seeing the product and you can't vouch for it yourself from a, from a retailer perspective. Uh, you have to, once again, it goes back to having the right supplier that has favorable return policies, and each supplier is a little bit different there. Um, because the truth is not, not every e-commerce retailer is, uh, can, can facilitate a, a brick and mortar. You know, you're, we're seeing these pure e-commerce companies trying to get around that by adding uh, in large cities, you know, showrooms, if you will, like we saw Bonobos, who was just recently purchased. But, you know, for a couple of years now, they, they had uh, started opening up uh, showrooms, even though they were an online first kind of retailer. Um, and, and that's not really going to be the case for all these retailers. So it's, it's really about having a transparent uh, a return policy and, and really knowing the products that, that sell through well and keeping track of the, the returns that you're getting for certain items and maybe not listing those or improving the, the, the quality of the images or whatever it might be. Um, but it's, it's really between you and your supplier on what's our policy, you know, what, what products do we feel are at high risk of returns and does it even make sense to, to list those or not, whether it's dropship or e-commerce really. Well, you know, it's springtime almost. And so that means right. trade shows, convention season. And so you're probably about to earn your platinum frequent flyer miles in a pretty short order. Is there anything that you are currently working on that maybe you haven't revealed yet that you can just give me a glimpse into something in the future yeah. that's going to be revealed soon? No, we're happy to talk about it and be transparent about it. And, you know, we have competitors out there working on similar things. We all kind of know it. And, and I think it's good for the industry as a whole. And, and I think the two things that we're working on really, um, one is a, right now we sell typically to the retailer, um, the reseller of the product. Uh, and that's our main customer. We are rolling out a more supplier focused offering for those that are actually, uh, you know, own the products and have the warehouses and that offering is, is going to be similar to what we have today, but uh, it'll be basically a dropship management platform that's going to help the supplier out uh, and manage their dropship retailers and, and, and kind of be more of a, a technological competitive differentiator for them, right? Uh, we partner with a lot of our suppliers now and they refer them, their, their retailers to our platform, but we are hoping to provide that same kind of technology directly to the supplier and, uh, and allow that to be a, a differentiator for them. So that's a big initiative that we've been hearing a lot of demand for from our suppliers that we're excited about rolling out really here in the next uh, four to six weeks. Um, you know, so early, you know, early Q2 of, uh, of 2018, that should be um, into the first couple supplier hands. Uh, the other thing is just a, a more sophisticated uh, platform we have right now. Uh, we're going to be going, going through kind of a, uh, a, a, another kind of upmarket, if you will, uh, platform that's going to be uh, all around optimizing um, your dropship operation op operations across multiple suppliers and doing a lot from a cross-supplier product mapping and more of a business intelligence tool. Um, it's really kind of just the evolution of our product that we have now. But um, those two things right now are, are really what we're excited about this year. All right. So you mentioned cross-supplier SKU mapping. That seems to be an overwhelming task, a monumental 
challenge that you put in front of yourself. How, I mean, can you even give me a glimpse in how you would approach such a sure. huge challenge? No, I'm, and I'm glad you asked, right? Because, you know, this is something where we've fallen short, admittedly, uh, in, the, in the past years on, on providing a solution around this, because it is, it is a tough solution, um, or it's a tough problem to fix, I should say. And, and really, the issue is there is because a lot of different suppliers across different industries uh, have incomplete data, or they use a different kind of, whether it's the MPN or the UPC, um, you know, whether that's the master of what they, you know, are mapping across the product across different manufacturers by. Um, the GTIN, you know, whatever, whatever it might be, um, you know, what they're using for that is it, it can vary. And a lot of times you don't have it. And we even see sometimes UPCs, as much as you shouldn't do this, are shared across multiple like case packs, right? A, a pack of soap has a UPC and it's a six pack. And then there's a 24 pack of that same soap and it has, it shares the same UPC. So, and they have very different prices, obviously. So all those challenges come in, come into play. So our approach is going to be uh, basically you know, one giving the the tool uh, to do this manually to start, right? The, to say at least here's here's an ability to map it and map it in in bulk and be able to search quickly by product title, title, and description, and things like that for the incomplete data scenario, right? Where you can't map, and then we're going to have fuzzy fuzzy logic mapping as well that will be able to say here's two that look the same because of UPC and MPN. Um, you know, you can auto approve things that match. You can have the ability to then uh, you know, verify and then approve and then kind of map across them. So we're really going to give, you know, the ability to have the human element in there to make sure things are accurate, but then also automate it through our, our software tools that will map across MPN, UPC, even kind of a, a manual search or a fuzzy logic search uh, by product title and things like that. Um, so all of those kinds of tools combined together will really allow you to kind of get the job done. I've I've always found the acronym UPC, which stands for Universal Product Code, to be somewhat of an oxymoron because it is, in fact, not universal. Um, how much easier would your life be if there was actually an international standard for barcoding everything? Yeah, I mean, that was the lofty goal, I think, of the UPC. Uh, it definitely missed the mark, um, but, uh, you know, it would make our lives very easy. But at the same time... Solving that problem has, is is good for us as well, right? And that's what we're trying to do. It's funny we're starting to see the ASIN as much as those. There's you know controversy around how much you can trust the ASIN of a product, but we're seeing that being used almost in conjunction with the UPC as far as you know a product online. Um, that ASIN being the Amazon standard identification number, um, you know, and, and it's funny because I've seen actually other marketplaces you know reference ASINs as a, a way to identify a product. Um, so yeah, it would be much more helpful if we had a, you know, here's a single product, but I just don't see that ever being the case just, you know, given how products are created and resold and, and all different marketplaces that are popping up selling them. So as someone who has his eye on all directions at all times, let's turn your focus to the future. Is there something specifically you see on the horizon that you think really deserves uh, an extreme amount of attention and focus in order to properly leverage it? Yeah. I mean, once again, going back to, um, you know, the, the idea that we're trying to make the dropship is, is really making the supply chain more efficient. And there's so many problems that are, that need to be fixed and, and need to be addressed in that this more uh, mainstream and adopted uh, approach to the supply chain. And I think, you know, looking at, how do we optimize when a product is ordered 
where to send that order to because it, we are moving to a, a world now where there's the distributors or the retailers that are going to have the audience uh, like an Amazon, for example, and they're going to have multiple vendors of that same product. And they're going to need to figure out what's the best way to get that product to the consumer and how to optimize that, that process, uh, whether it's finding the cheapest rate or uh, the closest location or um, you know, the preferred vendor that, you know, might have the, uh, that might, you know, be a cheaper item cost, whatever it might be, but taking in all that kind of that intelligence, um, from the data points that you gain from, uh, whether it's the data feed from the supplier or from just, you know, past orders, I think really understanding that and routing orders, uh, more efficiently to get the cheapest and quickest shipping back to your consumer is going to be, um, you know, huge. And, and we're, some people are solving that right now. You know, Commerce Hub is a large, uh, you can almost call them competitor, but they're, they're dealing with the top 1% retailers, which uh, we are more so in the mid-market space. Um, but they have the same, a similar kind of value proposition in that they are solving that problem right now. There's not a lot of other people out there solving that problem as much as uh, there should be. And, and I think that's going to be a huge uh, piece going forward in the e-commerce space. Well, today I've had the pleasure of having a conversation with Travis Marier, the Managing Director for Inventory Source. Travis, thanks for taking time out of your day. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Thanks, Sean. Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, go to marketscale.com slash industries. And if you have a chance, subscribe to the MarketScale publications for the latest articles, videos, and podcasts from your favorite industries.